Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. This morning we're going to open our Bibles to uh, Psalm 23. We are in our series, Songs of the Saints, the the hymn book of the children of Israel. They would sing these psalms. They would declare their praise to God. They would declare truths about who God is in this particular psalm. The king uh, grew up as a shepherd boy taking care of his father's sheep. He had a lot of really great things to say about this connection between uh, his relationship to God, our relationship to God, and how we are cared and loved by him uh, in this capacity. Uh, Shepherd and sheep is really a great metaphor for our relationship to God. Because certainly God does care for us as deep us know throughout the psalm need a shepherd. In fact, I was telling our, our group earlier this morning who were helping our setup team and our crew and our worship team that sheep are actually one of the dumbest animals on the planet. So I don't know how to, we should feel bad for ourselves, but whatever. It is true. Sheep get in a lot of trouble, as we talked about last week. If you weren't with us, you can go on our website and you can uh, catch up and listen to the first part. I also turned 49 this week, so these are becoming very, very important to me. <laughs> Actually, I need to see my eye doctor, so if anyone knows Dr. Dill, like, see if he can get me like a, a front. Do you have his phone number? Oh, you guys work, there we go. You work there. Lisa, can you hook me up? Thank you very much. <laughs> have him come in on his day off. There we go. So my pastor can't even read. He's making stuff up. It's Psalm 23. The Lord, he leads me, David says, I shall stores my soul. He makes me like me in paths of righteousness for his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We talked about the four Ps, if you would, of Psalm 23. The first two we talked last week is that we're in the possession of the shepherd. We are owned by him. We are managed by him. And so David declares the first five words of this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. If that's something that you and I can really grab a hold of, that we are in possession of the good shepherd, we understand that we are in control. In the control, God is governing others, allowing them to lay down and find rest. David said, really, that God, you are the creator of all things and that you're the shepherd over my life. I'm in possession of you, and you lead me, you manage my life. And David essentially saying, he is mine, and I am his. And it was so comforting for David's provision. He begins to brag about all the... He said that David would take care of his... God provided so much for him. He says, vision, that provides so well for me. The next line is, I shall not want. That there's nothing that I need. I'm content because my shepherd is taking care of my life. He said that he was satisfied. And it's not just that he had what he needed, but he also experienced, and I think that we can too, sort of the absence of desiring things, little tiny things outside of shepherd. We feel like are going to really fulfill our life. Stores his soul. He just found contentment and restoration. He also mentioned last week, there's a great little book. Soul, you guys actually reached out on, to Amazon, and they're sending you that copy of that book. Actually, they're probably at your house right now. As soon as you start typing in, the Prime guys are right at, what was it? And listening to us, right? Siri, are you listening right now? She's like, yes, I am. And the book called uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by an old shepherd in Africa, uh, it's uh, Philip Keller's his name. 
And he would talk about how he had sheep that would get fall over, basically. They would find, try to find a very soft spot, actually fast, and they would fall over and they would get... And so he said, as a shepherd, he would look over and he would see these feet standing up. And he would know that if he didn't move fast, that predators were going to move in or they would actually die of suffocation. And so uh, he said that he would go over there and lovingly restore them back. And if their, if their legs were you know, lacking a little blood and oxygen, he would rub their just until they could actually get going again. He restores us when we get a little bit uh, squirrely and we head off into some bad directions. Compassion is what David is trying to convey here. And then he says, and he leads me uh, beside quiet waters. And, and, and he also leads us uh, before his namesake in paths of righteousness. So we find this guidance that comes from God, leading us in, in the paths of promise of the good shepherd. My shepherd to you are with me. And it's interesting, the timing of the psalm, when he begins to refer directly to God himself, it's when, it's when in the, the life of this sheep, life begins to get a little difficult. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wait. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then we get to verse 4, where all of a sudden it gets a little bit difficult for the life of, of this shepherd's sheep. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I would protect my life. We learn that David's life was at risk. He was in the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes life is green pastures. Sometimes life is uh, by the still waters, peace, like easy, right? And then sometimes life is at the valley of the shadow, the journey through the year that he would take as a shepherd. And, and oftentimes, well, for him as a shepherd, if you would, red vines. They had to eat red vines on the way. Go through some. And it would be scary, and there would be predators, and there would be rock slides. There would be the, the threat of a, an, a storm that would immediately come and, and, and could have this blasting, freezing rain that would show up. And, and, and he would say that it's at that time that those sheep would actually become fearful, and he as a shepherd needed to give them the bone. It certainly was scary. It's good to know that David lets us know that it's not our destination, the valley of the shadow of death. If you're in a scenario right now where it feels like you're part at verse 4, that your life is in the valley of the shadow of death, the good news is, is that you're passing through it. It's not your destination. It was his very presence, the shepherd, was what brought him calmness and peace that he could declare I will fear no evil. Why would David say, I fear no evil? He says, because you are with me. He tells us that he would never leave us difficult times in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's interesting. Philip Keller talks a little bit about, uh, you know, he is a shepherd. He would have a rod and a staff. Uh, and the rod would be usually some you know, sort of root of a tree that would have the big kind of uh, knob at the top of it. And it would be used to protect the sheep during uh, you know, this root. He said the shepherds in Africa could actually huck those things and it would hit direct, you know, like direct contact with the sheep to let them know like, oh man, I guess that wasn't right. 
And so it would be used to give them protection. And, and he, David said that this brought comfort to him. Arad also spoke of authority. We learn, you know, reading through the, sort of the, the authority that Moses had, this divine authority that Moses had to take the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and, and take them into uh, the, the land that, that God had, had designed for them and given to them. And yet that rod was the very thing of authority that Moses would lay it down. It turned into a snake. Uh, Pharaoh's guys, they made some snakes and a dream like that. <laughs> Sorry to put that in your head, but does a great job of letting us know that this speaks of sort of the, the authority that is in our life that our good shepherd has, has is his word. Thus declares the Lord, the authority of the shepherd that gives us the ability to comfort and certainly to be protect, uh, correct us. God uses his word to, to move us back on the right path. As we see, uh, it was D.L. Moody who actually wrote in the back of his Bible, the little you know, sections that God's word isn't written in. He said, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. It's powerful, if you would. The shepherd will also use that rod to, to examine the sheep. You see in Scripture that, that the shepherd would hold out a, a rod and the sheep would pass over it, you know, and it was this idea that you could sort of part the, 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 um, the Ugg boot of the sheep. You'll get it in a second. The wool and see the heart, O God. And in Psalm 119, your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my feet. A light word has the ability to actually Lord, uh, sort of reveal areas of your life that God wants to bring healing to and restoration to. Jesus used it in each day, would, would resisted with, This is the word of God. Thus says the Lord. He always said scripture, and certainly that's how we get rid of false and negative thoughts. The word of God dispels like a predator, if you would, that rod that the shepherd would throw or push back at that whatever was danger. And then the staff was used to draw the sheep near the shepherd about moving through these dangerous areas. This is what David is recalling. In the midst of danger, he knew the presence of the Lord was with him. And life is difficult. It'd be great to say that, hey, become a Christian and you can skip verse 4. That'd be great. Right outside our connection center, guys, we have this squirrel whiteout that you can just, all the parts of the tribulation. That's a promise from God. In this world, you're going to have trouble. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Shadow of death. And if Psalm 23 is really a metaphor for life and moving into Death itself, the valley of the shadow of death. And if it's a metaphor for death, the good news is, is it's something that you pass through on forever, a, a great death. You know, the shadow of a dog cannot bite you. The shadow of a sword cannot pierce you. The shadow of the death, it cannot destroy you. It's just a shadow. And a believer actually passes through. And as Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If this is a metaphor of death itself. You find yourself with David. I will not fear for you are with me. I don't know all the reasons why God allows the shadow of death to hit different families at RVC, different individuals at RVC, you know, over and different times, and it feels like it might happen again, and it continues to happen. I don't know all the whys of God. If you're here, I have an answer. God allows, though, times in the valleys. But I do know that dark times won't last. A wall where the table would be spread, would, 
where they would have this ability to feast with the shepherd. And that you'll find going through those valleys, you'll look back and you'll say like, wow, there's a different strength to my faith having gone through that difficult time. It's not, I wish we could just like, but you read a book and go, oh, all of a sudden I'm like in January. It was like, hey, I'd like to be in shape for summertime. Well, read this book and you'll be in shape. Like, no, you got you to gotta go. You got to park a mile and a half at GB3 because everybody's there in January. You got to eat good. You got to suffer, man, if you want to actually like be in shape, right? You got to go through tough times, but you'll find that going through those tough times, Philip Keller talked about it was in the summer months that there were these, these great little streams and little pools of fresh water that were refreshing to the sheep as they were making their way through that valley of the shadow of death. I think you could look back at times of difficulty and say, man, and there's a nearness, great truth that we need to remember. Never nearer is a shepherd than when the sheep are in the shadows of death. Your shepherd is near you. You grow during that time, but it's not easy. Some of you walk through the pain of Devon, and the shepherd is right in the mix. According to David, you're with me. Your rod, your authority is with me. It comforts me. Your staff that pulls me close, the presence of the Spirit of God drawing us near, reassuring that we belong to him. As Paul says and declares in Romans 5, that, that the love of Christ poured out in our hearts, and he's near in those difficult moments. They're going to come... We should react like David. I won't fear because you're with me. Wouldn't that be a much better response than the way we normally respond to difficulty and trials? Say, you know, I, I would imagine I'm in the midst of a valley, the shadow of death. In Romans 8, that he's going to use this for my betterment and for his glory because I belong to him, because I'm called according to his name. The promise is that we leave the valley to a new scene. And despite the danger, and God provides this incredible scene that moves on the sheep, or if the, if the metaphor is changing, to a host welcoming people to his place. He says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy to the promise of the good shepherd. You know what this, this, whole, this whole psalm, really, like, the theme of it is what Jesus said in John 10. As the good shepherd, he said, I call my sheep by name. They hear my voice. They follow me, John 10. Go read it later. An entrance to this, this pasture, if you would, the kingdom of God. You've got to go through Jesus the thief's purpose in John 10, verse 10 and 11, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. Shepherd sacrifices brings abundant life, and it's peppered throughout Psalm 23, but specifically we see it in verse 5 and 6. This abundant life is why Jesus came, and that's what he promises to give us. What is abundant life? I think the, 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 the best way to describe it would be friendship and oneness with God. I don't want anything else. 
Because ultimately, David knew that's exactly what his soul longed for was God's presence. You know, every so often, you and I get a little taste of like chasing after this. Oh, this little thing. If, this, if I could just get this, then I'll finally feel happy. You know what I mean? I'll feel joyful. I'll feel like, oh, I finally, I finally a machine. Did anybody have a green machine growing up? Are you serious? I feel bad for all of you right now. Tyler, let's get everybody a green machine next week. <laughs> and it's all over with. That actually is a very... And you move on to adulthood and you're like, oh, that's it. Oh, this job. Oh, that relationship. And you realize, you know what? It's like Jesus telling the woman at the well, drink this water. You'll thirst again. What a metaphor for the things of this life. You should put that of every pursuit that you have outside of keeping Jesus is that again. But he or she, whoever drinks of the water that I give him, would never thirst, but it would be like a bubbling spring within them. It's referring to this, this, this abundant life that you and I can experience. Of course, there's stuff that comes with it. God does bless us with material things. God does bless us with great relationships. God does take him. He, relationship with him, is, is what actually your soul, my soul longs for. Philip Keller talked about that this scene in his mind was like the scene of a shepherd leading them out to the mesas that they had prepared a year before. For the, they would go through he and his kids of the, of the you know, area that he lived in Africa, and his kids would pull all the poisonous weeds up. What a cool picture of how God provides the very best for those sheep that actually submit to the shepherd. He talked about he had lots of sheep that would always, you know, always just naughty sheep, man. They would go off and they would wander off and they would drink bad water and get sick and die. Or they would wander off to the edge of a cliff and, you know, they would fall off the cliff. And, you know, but for the sheep that actually was a tiny little lamb belonging to Mary. And I would just follow the shepherd, man, and I'm safe. No wolf eating me up. No disease rotting my body. The shepherd's been good to me. He says, and the ones that would stay and recognize, man, I'm leading you somewhere awesome. They were the ones that received this RBC sheep by trying to wander off and do it yourself. You can't. God loves you and I enough to allow you to do what a gift volition is, right? Your will to be able to choose. But you'll never experience God's best. He's the best thing there is. Shall not want. They're in the presence of his enemies. They could sit back and relax. We certainly live in a hostile world. First Peter tells us about Satan who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But here we are feasting at his table as a king welcoming his friends, prepared for them. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. It's all going to be good. Good food. All the Bible we read in the, in the scripture, we read all the feasts of Israel. You know, all those were, were celebratory moments. Weddings, you know, we'd see these week-long weddings, right, that, that Jesus himself attended uh, that we read about in John chapter 2. They're all with one another. We read in Revelation 19, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, a future gathering of the church in heaven that we're going to celebrate this incredible moment when you and I are, are united with our groom as the bride of Christ. Revelation 3, Jesus talks about the metaphor of relationship to him. And we will share a meal together as friends. In our day, we do that. You know, Starbucks is going to ruin pumpkin once and for all for all of us. 
like the pumpkin spice latte. I think it came out on July 4th already. But you and I gather, it's not about the dried turkey. It's not about the cheaper than all the ingredients you could purchase and better. It's about relationship. We get to see our loved ones, see our siblings we haven't seen, right? See our grandkids. Visit with our parents in this unhurried, you know, before Target opens the door. Or Friday or like whatever gray third about this. And it's all about fellowship, relationship, oneness, friendship. Isaiah the prophet spoke, uh, God spoke through him to, the, to, the, to the, the people of the world. He says, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? What a great picture of God inviting humanity by grace, no effort, to come walking with him as sheep with a really good shepherd who takes care of us. He says, come and feast. Come and fellowship. Come of Jesus. Friendship with God. There's nothing to learn from your sin. You have to decide that you want to follow him. You have to uh, uh, invite him to be the shepherd of your life. At that moment of salvation for you, and certainly throughout your journey as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's that moment by moment, God, I really want you to shepherd my life. God, I to shepherd, recognize that I'm getting squirrely over here. He says, you anoint my head with oil. The host would often anoint the guests uh, with oil. It was, a sim- it was sy- symbolic of a blessing. But Philip, Philip Keller talks about that they literally would anoint the sheep's head with oil for lots of different reasons. For sometimes, for just when the sheep would get angry and bang their heads against each other, they would just slip off. Wouldn't that be right past each other? But during the summer months, the sheep would get a little fearful because flies, these nasal flies would come, and they would actually like lay eggs in the larva in their heads against a rock. Certain oils would actually keep those flies from you know, coming into their nose and laying their eggs inside. And messing with the sheep. And so it was refreshing and soothing to the sheep. And protect them from the bugs. And give them a peace and a comfort. From those nasal flies. You, right? That bug us, if you would. Years. What's this going on? How come, how's this all going to work out? Irritations in relationships. And sometimes the good shepherd will come and anoint our head with oil. Symbolic of not only his blessing, but the pains of the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about living God dwelling inside of us. Paul says that peace is able to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this good shepherd would anoint them with oil. And they would be content and be at peace when things and bugs would threaten their, their, their headspace. David said, my life is overflowing way, is what David's referring to. Like the joy of the Lord is overflowing. Shall not want. Comforts me, it gets me back. It strengthens me. The presence of God's Spirit gives me peace. And here's this overflowing joy that we always see, by the way, present at all the banquets and feasts. Joy in the Lord. Even in the midst of trials, life is still life. But David's like, but my cup was overflowing. Joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain. And new wine. Psalm 16, he said, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and pleasures of living with you forever. 
God has blessed David, and David testifies, my cup overflows. Recognize to follow him in our context, to seek first God's kingdom. God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to stay close to your side as the good shepherd of my life. Do you know what robs the overflowing joy in your life? Distractions, sin, disobedience. Make Jesus Christ number one, robs you and I of that overflowing joy is not staying close to the shepherd and allowing sin to creep back into our lives. That's why David said when he confessed that Psalm 51, something we talked about weeks back, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I asked myself this week, why is that joy not overflowing my life, our lives, when here it's a clear promise of God? He didn't say, hey, man, you never have to go back to verse 4. That's not what he says. He's saying that God has blessed him in such a way that continue to follow me as if they're like your guardian angels. The shepherd's leading before you. He's got these guardian angels of steadfast love or goodness and mercy. And they're going to follow me all the days of my life. In the mess of living, my friends, I need God's steadfast love and mercy on a continual basis. I'm so, the Christian faces trials, loss, difficulties that can't be understood. Steadfast love and his mercy right in the midst of it. So Paul could declare in Romans 8, for I know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. To those who are called all things out for my benefit, for his glory. Even the dumb things that sheep get themselves into. There's not like a clause there that says, and God works all things out, right? Those who love him are called to according to his purpose, except if you're the one who got yourself in this mess Greek. I'm grateful, man. All the messes that we get ourselves into, all the mistakes and all the decisions that you can't go back and change, somehow God is able to do that. Want to know why? Because steadfast love our goodness and mercy follow you and I all the days of our life. In Psalm 86, verse abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And mercy through the blood of Jesus teach us and to still carry us and forgive us when you and I blow it. I still choose to wander. I referenced a, a God I love him last week. I sit here this morning. I think that all of you would agree with me. Who wouldn't want a good shepherd like that? Who wouldn't want God to lead their life like that? And then that tiny person inside of us says, I don't. Because <laughs> I still want to make bad choices. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I feel it within me. Fail and want me to choose to stay close. He has already been given to me. It follows behind me. All the care and protection and sacrifice, by the way, that God gives to us, according to this psalm, is born out of his love for us. Then David says, and the security of it all, is that I will belong to you and I will be with the Lord forever. That he would David enjoy full fellowship with the Lord forth. It's to be with the Lord, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Speaking of this relationship to God, and if verse 4 is a metaphor for death, it means that you and I are in the presence of God for all I wonder if as the shepherds, which represented for the nation of Israel the very presence of God where they would bring a sacrifice and they would worship and there would be the presence of the singers and the musicians. 
And they would praise God singing psalms like this. He said, I can't wait to be. David longs to get back to that place again where he had sweet times of prayer and fellowship. He pins in Psalm 27. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire or pray or seek him in his temple. Such is the one who has the good kind of closeness with God. That's why Paul could say uh, in, in Philippians chapter 3, he said, Indeed, I count all things lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Good question for us, man. Do we really believe that this morning? Do you take that to heart? Wrestling with Psalm 12, the good shepherd is leading my life. That I don't live with him being the owner. I live day by day. I want to I want shepherd. Lead me. I don't want to get out ahead of you. I want you to be the one that directs my steps today. Yeah, I make my plans, but God, I, I want you. I, 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 I don't want to say I give you permission to have veto power because he's God. He could do whatever he wants to do. But Lord, I welcome that veto power. How about that? Because why would I want anything else? Yesterday, I opened up last week and said, but she got the heart of what David was trying to convey. When she said, the Lord is my shepherd, he's all that I want. If that's a, if that's a declaration you can make today, no matter what you face, life will be smooth sailing because you have a good shepherd who's leading your life and you get it. Lord, you're my shepherd. What else would I want? What else could I need? Are you going to guide my life? Are you going to protect my life? Can I ask you today, are you enjoying that abundant life? Are you enjoying him being the good shepherd over your life? Are you stubborn as a sheep, always trying to do your own thing? Uh, by still waters and, and allow him to shepherd your life. Ask him to take over your life this morning as we close in a time of worship. Is your cup overflowing this morning? What's hindering it? What's going on in your life that you continue to rob yourself of this blessing that God wants to give to you? I, I think that a lot of times 21st century Christians, especially in this particular area, that we can say, you know what, it's good enough, right? I have enough of God in my life, but I wouldn't say it's overflowing. And to me, that's sad. How do we get to that place of where it's overflowing that, that keep abundant living at bay? This morning, man, do some business with God. What's in your life that you say, God, I need you to remove this out of my life? What's bugging you today? God, I need you to anoint my head with the oil of your Holy Spirit. Guard my mind and my heart to this. Lord Shepherd, last week, and I'm going to give you the challenge this week as well, is sort of your next steps to take. I want to encourage you to memorize and allow them to sort of be the meditation of your heart this week as you work on verse 1 through 6 and you begin to stir it in your heart and allow God's truth to soak in there. I bet you that will lead you to a place of contentment probably faster than needs to say, you know what, I want to go on with Jesus, so I want to sign up and get baptized. I, I'm still hesitant allowing him to be the total control over my life. I want to step all in. Or maybe this morning you're here and you don't have Jesus as the good shepherd over your life. For you, Christianity is just a, a list of more things to do and the things to avoid, and, and that's what gives you this ability. Religion is, let me do a bunch of things in order for God to accept me. Christianity speaks of something totally different. It's called grace. It's where God became a man. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, lived a life none of us could ever live, ultimately to go to the cross 
where God poured all the wrath that sin deserved, your sin, my sin, all the sins of this world, so that Jesus of the cross, God would give you all of the righteousness that belongs to Jesus. So you basically go from bankruptcy to gazillionaire. Choose to repent of your sin means you, you're going this way, you make a U-turn, and you go 180 degrees, you move your life in the direction of even your life. You believe in your heart that Jesus a bunch of stuff. It's actually God taking up residence in your heart, even as I quoted Revelation 3.20 earlier today. Maybe that's your step today where you say, God, I'm going to be on with you. I want your forgiveness. I want relationship with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love this morning, your grace, and thank you for the beauty of your word. God, what a privilege it is to me that I'm learning about you and your truths, God, what we are learning together. We set aside these moments on a Sunday morning to worship, to study your word, to pray, to say hello, to embrace somebody. God, all done for your glory, Lord. And I pray right now that you would help each and every one of us this morning, God, to allow you to shepherd our lives. God, we pray the one who takes control and allow us, God, to just be all in with you, Father. Lord, some of us have been allowing sin to creep back in our lives. Lord, it's not that destructive, we think. But Lord, it's leading to allowing so many other things to take in these holy moments, God, that that just doesn't hold up. We make time for what we believe is important. And so, Lord, many of us need to put you back on that place of priority in our lives where seeking you and your kingdom first, God, is what we do as a household. It's what we are to you. So, God, I want to pray that you speak to their hearts. Open their eyes, God, spiritually to their need for you. And, Lord, make them alive today spiritually. Just join us.